Hello and welcome to another recording of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I wanted to continue off of a topic that we had discussed over the last couple of weeks here, being that each person has an innate value. And in the last episodes, we discussed how doing the right thing, even if it's not necessarily a large right thing to do, is massively important in the ripple effects that it has. And some of the examples we used was, you know, not cheating on your taxes, you know, doing just general acts of, of kindness and mercy, even, even the small ones, and how they can magnify throughout. And we kind of looked at it from the negative perspective, being that if every person who has a hundred percent tax or a hundred dollar tax bill only pays $60 of it, that's a massive problem when you look across the scale of America. And then we also looked at it from the perspective of, well, the, the government's so large, there's nothing that I can possibly do about it, and therefore, why should I care and just kind of distance myself from it? And we also looked at it from the direction of buying things you know when we go through a drive-through we don't know who's actually facilitating that that meal that we're about to eat who's who's actually doing it we look at it as part of a process and i think that to a certain degree that is the benefit of, of a modern mobile economy the fact that we can give value to other places and people we've never met and the fruits of our labor is going to help them. So at the end of the day, I have no idea how to make plastic, but there are probably 300 plastic cups in my house right now somewhere. I have no idea how to make it. I have no idea who did it, but I do know that it gives value to my life and to those who use them. And I think that anyone can go through 100 items in their house and maybe know how about 10% of them are actually fully made from beginning to end, let alone how you get the raw materials to do it. You know, how do you get the minerals to make the screws that are inside of it? So there's just so much vast complexities to everything that we do that on the one hand is incredibly boggling. You know, we're not in an era where you just take something as simple as toys you know, back in the day, we, we look at the Grinch who stole Christmas. One of their favorite toys is the stick connected to a gum band with a ball at the end. And, you know, okay, in theory, we can figure out how to make a bouncy ball bounce. But if you look at the same kit toys that you're getting for a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old now, it's like, I have no idea how to make a, a shoulder joint on a plastic doll. Like, no idea. <laughs> and I build houses. So when, we, when you look at it like that, um, I, I wanted to basically use this episode to make it look from the positive side, that each of us have gifts and each of us have things that we do innately well. And yes, they take practice and development to get better at them as everything grows up. That's part of maturity, pushing yourself to become better at it. But I think that so often in life, we get caught into what I'm not good at, what I'm not doing well, or what the problems are, when in reality, if we take what we're doing best at and continually hone it to be better, 
especially in relationships, it really gives the best results to, to make what your best is better and to, to roll through that mindset than to constantly dwell upon, well, I'm not good as this guy at drawing or I don't calm the baby down as well as my wife or, or whatever it may be to focus on what you do well and to embrace the fact that you have weaknesses and therefore finding someone who's good at that will strengthen both of your lives. So I wanted to kind of come from that perspective as we were going off of the last conversations we had, because I think it's an important way to recognize humans and our gifts, because ultimately there's a reason we're not all the same mass produced Ford Explorer. You know, we're different for a reason. So with that being said, I want to give you the floor and, and, and continue in the ways that, uh, that the church looks at that. Well, there's a lot of really important things that you observed in uh, your comments, Joe. One is the incredible complexity of the world and how much we depend on the expertise of other people. You talked about plastic cups. It's one thing to know how to produce them. It's another thing to actually have the plant to produce them. It's another thing, as you said, to get the raw materials to produce them. It's another thing to actually get them into your house. I mean, there's just a tremendous number of people involved in getting plastic cups to your house. And I think we had mentioned that in that episode, an article that I love to refer to, and a guy that discovered it took about a thousand people to get a cup of coffee to his table in the morning. And uh, he went through really in painstaking detail who all of those people were and what they contributed. And so there's something really exciting about the time that we live in, that we have such incredible amounts of uh, interactivity and, and mutual interdependence. And we can carry out these incredibly complex processes. A, a lot of the sort of dystopia um, novels or movies that look at, you know, what would happen after a nuclear holocaust and what, uh, what would be left of the world and what would we have to start over with really help us to think of, you know, or the people that uh, are, what do they call them? Preppers, right? You know, mm -hmm. people who prepare for like everything getting cut off and how much basic stuff they have to recover and how simple, how much simpler life would be. I mean, you don't need to have a washing machine for your clothes and all of the component parts to that. You just need some potash and some uh, water to make lye and then some agent to soapify it. And then you can apply that to your clothes. You know, I mean, there are ways to simplify things and that's its own kind of interesting exploration is, you know, what would it take to sustain life in a reasonable way without any of the stuff that we tend to depend on on a daily basis. Those are, those are interesting things to think about. And all of that helps us to appreciate the complexity and to appreciate the interdependence and to appreciate the, really the amazing, you know, nobody could have orchestrated this. It's a, it's just an incredible development. And it, I think of, uh, you know, Henry Ford's, uh, innovation about inter interoperable uh, parts, replaceable parts, that if you standardize things, then you don't need to produce all of your own screws. Somebody can produce screws that everybody can use. And that standardization process 
is not trivial. And, and the way that that's worked out, you know, we can look at it in a perhaps more cynical, but also maybe more personally uh, experienced way. When you think of uh, iPhone chargers or, or uh, cell phone chargers, I should say, and the kind of split between the micro USB and the lightning and then USB-C moving in. And those are standardization things. And some of that's driven by, you know, who wins the market and it's not by the most uh, well-designed or engineered part. Um, but anyway, it's very interesting to see how all that plays out. And we experience both the benefit and the frustration of, of those things when, you know, you, you've got this extra device now that's got this micro USB charger and you only have your lightning or your USB-C or your old uh, power supply that used to work on your Mac Pro, MacBook Pro doesn't work now because everything's USB-C. And anyway, I mean, we experience those things in, in uh, some miniature form, but it's really non-trivial to, to do that kind of standardization. We have that throughout, you know, my background is in computer science. I have a doctorate in computer science. And so I, in terms of security protocols and networking protocols and a lot of those standardizations, I mean, the fact that the internet works is incredible. And that depends on a whole layering structure that some really innovative people put together and made it uh, so that things are separable enough that you can have the internet at one layer and then you can attach an ethernet to that or you can attach a Wi-Fi to that or you can attach a, a wireless you know, 5G thing to that or, and these different layers of, of interoperability um, make all that possible. You know, there's just a lot of really well thought out stuff. There's a lot of stuff that people sort of stumbled across over time. There are things that required cooperation and compromise and, uh, and planning. There are a lot of good ideas that just ended up on the cutting room floor because there was nobody to actually do the, the right marketing and engineering and processes and things to bring them to bear. So there's a lot of really fascinating stuff. And, and ultimately, it's a testimony to how well we can work together as human beings. Uh, again, as simple as a plastic cup, as complicated as the internet, as necessary as, we, as electricity has become, uh, getting gas into your car from the Middle East, you know, <laughs> from raw oil in Russia, you know, it's like, there's a lot of stuff that happens that's incredible. And, and we've become so uh, nonchalant, you know, had, and we've just established the kinds of standardized expectations that when something like the universe, the, the, the United Postal System breaks down, uh, I think there are a lot of bad examples over the Christmas holidays of things that were sent out, you know, December 15th that are just arriving in the last week or so, that we're just shocked and horrified, like, oh, how can they possibly... It's like, well, what, it wasn't that long ago when it used to take that long as a standard practice. I mean, when did we get so used to next day shipping? I mean, I, I remember when that became a thing, when FedEx developed and they, they specialized in next day stuff or even same day stuff. And it's like, man, how do they do that? Well, it takes a lot. It takes committed people to work the hours. It takes really smart people to manage the processes. It takes automation and electronic systems, databases, and uh, to manage those processes. I mean, it's really, there's some incredible feats. So I want to recognize that as that's just one of the points that you're making, Joe, about 
how complex, how much interdependence, interoperability, uh, and and how you know I don't need to know most of the people in the supply chain, and still we can deliver the product together. I mean, there's a benefit and a and a detriment to that. Well, maybe it would be nice to know some of them, and I wouldn't treat them like machines, and I would treat them more like persons. So there's a there's a dehumanization that happens in some dimension, and that was kind of. Uh, a big thrust of Marx's critique, which went in all kinds of bad directions eventually, but the idea of reducing a person to uh, capital, you know, that this isn't an employee, it's a hundred bucks, is really dangerous. And industrialization has uh, continually been in danger of reducing people to objects and things to be used and exploited, manipulated. And the church has cried out against that. Pope Leo XIII's uh, watershed encyclical Rerum Novarum, which is really the first of a, a large family of social encyclicals published in the 1890s, I believe, maybe the 1880s, is a tremendous work to establish the inviolable dignity of every human person. And so that's what we need to keep focusing on in the small end of things, the like the low number end of things. Every single human being, no exception, has an infinite dignity and is irreplaceable, made in the image and likeness of God. And we have to establish that it's the first principle of Catholic social teaching. Every single human being has an infinite dignity that starts at conception, that ends with the the last breath, with the death of the person. We have to establish that. And as I just said, the danger in all of this uh, incredible productivity and interoperability is that we lose sight of that, that we treat people as being cogs in a machine, just because Henry Ford had a great idea about making uh, replaceable parts, we can't treat human beings that way. Every human being is unique and is irreplaceable. Now, two, three, 100, 500, 10,000 human beings may be able to carry out the same task and may fit into a process in the same way, but we can never fall into the trap of treating one, two, five, ten, ten thousand people as if they were uh, it, absolutely the same, uh, as, as if they had a replaceable dignity. Pope Francis has said this in recounting a, a sort of story that goes with the Tower of Babel that when uh, they were building the Tower of Babel, you know, back in ancient history, documented in Genesis chapter 11, I believe. Um, and when they were building the Tower of Babel, that that was the most important thing happening in the world at that time. We're going to build a tower into the sky that's taller than God, you know, this huge act of human hubris and pride. And that became the focus of everything. And so if a, a brick, which took so much time to, to dig, to form, to bake, and to carry to the site, if a brick fell and broke it was a tragedy. If a person fell and died, that person was replaceable. And that's where we can make this shift. Pope Francis applies it to the modern day and he says, if the stock market drops a point 
or 10 points or 100 points, it makes the headlines. When a homeless man dies in the cold, nobody even notices. So this is upside down. And, and we have to keep fighting against that tendency uh, that's, that ultimately becomes self-centered. Like, how does this affect me? Well, if enough homeless people died and they were the ones who were making my coffee in the morning, I might pay attention. And that's where we've reduced people to objects or to, uh, you know, roles that, that are just uh, for my service. So we have to keep, keep our eyes on that human dignity. And then just, uh, I think, uh, the last point that sticks with me that you're making, Joe, was then when we see the uniqueness of every individual and we start to realize uh, we aren't just interoperable parts, but everybody has something unique to contribute. And everybody can play a role that, on the one hand, seems very minuscule because uh, it's just one small part in a much bigger process that's happening. On the other hand, uh, everybody's part is, is making an essential contribution, and everybody has unique gifts and talents to contribute to the uh, to the various kinds of projects that are there. So uh, we, those, are, those are some of the tensions. We like to look at the very big scale and, and realize the incredible things we can do with thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people working together in ways that they're not even aware of. We don't know all the people. That's amazing. But then we, we can zero in on every single human being and see that infinite dignity. And, and we're challenged to keep that in mind as a, as a core belief, as a centerpiece of, of Catholic social teaching, for example. And going through, as, as you kind of outlined the possible negative sides of, of looking at people as, as interchangeable parts, where I think that that can start from, at least from the modern world, I don't want to try to pretend I understand what life was like at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, but at least for now where we're at here, from the consumer side, I think where a lot of that starts from is the natural tendency of taking things for granted and, and to not and to not actually look at how amazing this process is. Because I think that comes to a certain point of, of what I was trying to articulate in the beginning. If you don't know how basically anything in, in your life is really made, then nothing you know how it's made. So you can really easily get in a spot where it's all taken for granted because even if I don't know how Tickle Me Elmo was made and why it works and how it's here, but it shows up after three clicks, it's here tomorrow, it can really just be taken for granted that everything can be like that. And I, I think to a large degree, looking at this, that that's how this problem begins, where you just expect everything that really takes a lot of innovation and a lot of greatness um, to be able to get it to work and then to let alone work at as high of a percentage rate that things do work at you know you use the post office ex example so they're late for a month essentially on a couple of items but the entire year prior they're pretty much spot on throughout but it just happens to be that they get overloaded here and we ignore the fact that they have a tremendously great track record, but we just look at the one flaw. And I know that in my particular world, you know, when you're done renovating a property, 
you're actually in the thought is show it with nothing in it so people see how big it is it looks bigger when there's not a couch and it. it looks bigger when there's not a bed in it but that's actually the opposite of the reality because whenever there's nothing else in the house you instantly only see the blemishes and it can be a beautifully done house but you see the blemishes but if you would put um, a couple of toothpaste holders and a tiny little, obviously not meant for this house, Ricky Bing chair. Um, it, it makes it look full and, and real. So I say that to, to basically call us to think about how much goes in to our, to our products that we have and how when we're at our positions at work, how to realize we actually are contributing value even if we don't recognize it. And that led me to think of another flaw that we have as a country at large in the sense that in essence, we are asking 17 and 18 year olds to try to figure out what they want to do for the rest of their lives when they really don't have a whole lot of life experience and also, when you sign up for this, you're going to sign up for massive debt that will take years upon years to pay off. And I think about that analogy of people choosing where to go to college and, and what do they expect to get out of it when we truly don't know what our strengths are and we don't know where they can be applied. So, for instance, you said you got your computer science degree, you know, you're talking to an 18-year-old on computer science. I can, I can go make the new, all the greatest new and best video games. You know, I, I can make drones with that stuff. And it can be just, where do you go to do it? Do I go to Apple? Do I go wherever? Or the billion other companies that you don't know their names but are contributing to all of the products that we have. And one of the examples that I got from the holiday season that struck me was, uh, one of the movies my wife watch, likes watching every every Christmas is It's a Wonderful Life, which is made when it was back in the black and white days. And one of the things that struck me, not about the story, but after the fact, when the credits come, is how few people were involved in that movie. The credits took roughly two minutes. And one of the things that the Marvel movies make you recognize, because most people will sit through the credits to go watch that last little snippet at the end of them, is that they take like 14 minutes and there's incredibly small font. And at the end of the day, you're still producing a movie. You're still producing something that people will remember. But how much more collaborative things have come. And... There could be no argument that the special effects of Iron Man flying around and shooting things out of his hands are way more visually stimulating than, than the things that you saw in the black and white movies. And the guy who's sitting in his cubicle trying to get that one little spark to look right might feel that he didn't contribute anything really to it or he's a dime a dozen, but in reality contributes so much to making, to making a, a complete picture. And I think that from a consumer standpoint, looking back and recognizing how amazing it is that we have these machines and devices and even clean water. I mean, something that, that we 100% take for granted that 
Water comes into my house regardless of the temperature outside, regardless of where I live, you know, and it's drinkable. I don't have to boil it. I don't have to worry about anything bad happening to it. And it's so effective. We can give it to people who are on their deathbed or who have just been born and not have to worry about it. And you think about how life was three generations before you and your great grandparents and how far we have come and to, to sit down and appreciate that sometimes. And, you know, you, you keep emphasizing looking at it from the people perspective. And I think that's very important because I, I do know that there's a tendency to, to almost deify or, or beatify, however the, the word is, paying upon your perspective of this modern system that capitalism can get anything to you. When in reality, it's looking at relations are really what make companies work. And, and that's where, where I get back to the point of emphasize what you're best at, not just what you can do. So something that, that you're the best at might be harder to find that position. You might have to look harder and you might be able to take some low hanging fruit and, and have a job that, yeah, I can do this. It's not going to be mentally simulating or, or, or the greatest thing ever, the, the maximum use of my abilities. And the reason I emphasize that is, is I look around people in, in my circles, the ones that have figured out this is my wheelhouse, this is what I get, and the ones who went for that versus the ones who just took a job because they felt like they had to. And to see how much more they enjoy life and how much more they appreciate things from that element. And Thankfully, we, we live in a capitalist system where if you're not happy with your job, you can go do a different one. Um, something that, you know, I just recommend people to think, what are you absolutely best at to contribute it? Now, that's from the production side, not from the consumer standpoint. But it, to me, it all comes back to, to appreciation and not taking things for granted. You know, just how many basic tasks we do every day that almost like magic appear that you know, three generations before us would have had a hard time accomplishing this. You know, writing something on paper. You know, you can get a paper product. I mean, I'm in my office now. I got more of them and most of them I just throw away because I don't want it because it's junk mail. You think about, about, the, about you know, your great-grandparents, how hard it would have been to get paper and how all it was precious and, and all of that. So, so just to, to appreciate what people have done, what, what they have created with their minds and their bodies to, uh, to, to make happen here. So I wanted to, to give the thought here and give you a chance to conclude as we're going a little bit longer on today's episode. Well, I, th I think you make great points, Joe, and, and it's uh, a really useful topic to think through and just put ourselves concretely in the awareness of what we have and how it got there and what we contribute. I love things like um, strength finders, which is an assessment that Gallup is uh, uh, selling, promoting now, and is a really useful way to see what kinds of unique talent themes I have been gifted with. And then uh, a lot of times, it's not like there's one magical job that's the only one for you, but knowing the way that you know you're made and the way the things that give you energy uh, is a good way to uh, 
apply yourself in whatever setting you're in. I know for myself, I love to learn and I'm, I'm high in getting input and I love to share the things that I learn. And so no matter what I do, as long as there's some component of that, I get a lot of energy out of that. And, you know, there are some other necessary things that I have to do that I'm not as good at or that, that uh, I don't get as much energy from. Things that are really draining for me, I should probably avoid as much as possible or find different ways to approach them or ways to delegate them. So a level of self-knowledge is extremely helpful. And uh, as I say, as you were saying, you know, knowing how you are uniquely made will give you a, a better opportunity to fit yourself in and, and be able to exercise those talents that God has given us. If we uh, believe in God and we believe that he has created us, then he knew what he was doing when he created us. We are not just a random product of uh, indeterminate forces. We are made by God for a reason. And so figuring out what that reason is and uh, living up to it is, is an important part of our, our spiritual life, as well as just uh, pursuing natural happiness and providing food for our tables. And thank you. And thank you for that beautiful note to end upon here. Um, again, we thank everyone for listening and we will be with you again next week.